Testing, testing, one, two, three. Welcome back to Spill and Diz Tea. I'm Sakura. And I'm Brayden. And today we're talking. Cruella. <laughs> Stay tuned for our review of Disney's latest live action retelling. Hey everyone, welcome to Spill and Dis Tea, the podcast where we sip and spill on all things Disney. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. Grab yourself a cup of tea and get ready to dive into the world of Disney with us. Bonjour tout le monde. Hello. How are we doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, there's there's a lot to talk about today, which I'm excited about. I know, I'm really excited for today's episode. I feel like things are looking up, you know, it's summertime officially now, so... uh, I know so much just like good energy, good vibrations and like just I feel like creativity is just like really sprouting right now. Like I feel mm-hmm. like we have so many like episodes that we have planned that we want to do and even just like our personal endeavors. Like now it's like a really fun time and like I'm so happy to be soaking up all the vitamin D. Let's go. Yeah. Okay, so drum roll please. <laughs> We are introducing a new segment. Well, revamping an old segment, but introducing Tea Time. Tea Time. Where we talk about Disney news, talk about Disney tea. Honestly speaking, the best time to do this is now while we still have our tea piping and hot. We are ready to spill, get in on what's going on in the world of Disney right now. We've got some cool new stuff and we've also got a little bit of the behind the scenes drama. So... Everyone, grab your cup of tea for tea time. Yeah, you're going to want a fresh cup because this is... Piping. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so to start off, um, Luca premiered last Friday, which was Friday, June 18th. Yes. Um, We watched it Friday night that it came out. Yeah, literally, like, immediately. (laughs) Um, Short review, loved it, thought it was super cute. So cute. Absolutely loved the story. I thought just the entire concept of a little Italian sea monster, like, I just think that's adorable. Mm-hmm. I'm going to eat that up. Pixar, take that idea and run. If you haven't seen it yet, go and watch it. We're going to give you a couple of weeks because we do have a Luca review coming out soon. So get on it because you don't want to miss that episode. Yeah, we'll definitely save our thoughts for that episode. Um, but we're excited to see a lot of people seem to be really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And it might have also sparked a future episode. Hmm. That's all we'll say for now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, another thing that has premiered, um, Loki. And not only has Loki premiered on Disney+, Plus, but it is the biggest premiere on Disney+, Plus with 890,000 streams. That's crazy. That's crazy. And honestly speaking, it's really funny because they are the first, or Loki is the first show to be premiered on a Wednesday. And I think because of that, Disney's like, let's go. We're doing Wednesdays from now on for releases. Although I wonder if that's for their shows, if it applies to their films as well. Is it maybe just their Marvel releases? Like, what are they mean by only releasing on Wednesdays now? I saw a post on Instagram and I don't, I can't verify if it's like accurate or not, but somebody was saying that Disney plus wanted to start moving towards, um, or was moving towards one day releases for their series. I think they, they, the strategy is that they want to have, because they were dropping the series on Fridays, it was kind of counteracting with their 
film releases. Yeah. So I think the model going forward will be Wednesdays for series and then Fridays for films. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. What series do they have planned after Loki? I kind of feel like that's the last like Marvel series, right? Um, we're getting like Miss Marvel, Hawkeye. Later Soon? in the year. Later in the year though, I think okay, more towards like, the fall. Okay. I think Loki is probably a last Marvel show until what if, I wanna say, which is in August, I believe. Oh, well even then. That's <laughs> not even, even that like- far out. That's like still kind of back to back. So I guess we'll see. Yeah. We get to see what, what it's like with other shows. But we also have an episode inspired from Loki as well, and Falcon and Winter Soldier, and WandaVision. That's all I'm going to say. You're getting all the tea this episode, Like, guys. we're honestly, honestly, all the tea is spilling. Putting it all out there. Spilling Disney tea, spilling Splenda's tea tea. <laughs> <laughs> tea square. We're even giving you our business, yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Um, and then we have some casting news. So Rachel Zegler got cast as Snow White in the upcoming live-action Snow White film that they had planned. Um, the music is to be done by the La La Land and Greatest Showman composers, which, you know, those soundtracks were both pretty successful. So um, mm-hmm. that's kind of all Okay, now, before we get into the casting, I just want to say, when did we find out that Snow White was getting a live-action anything? They didn't tell us that. That wasn't even a a drop or a release. I feel like I remember something like vaguely because I remember the songwriters being attached like somewhere to deep in Disney like Instagram and like not, not even anything actual. Like Disney basically gave us their entire movie lineup for the next decade, and like I didn't hear anyone say anything about live action Snow White. Well, what I think it was is there was like a time, like I want to say like 2015 to like 20, like well, now even still. Yeah. It's just like they announced so many live action remakes at a time, but they just kind of will say like, like a live action Hercules is in development, but they don't date it. They'll just say like, it's you know, so-and-so is attached to the, write the script, so-and-so is attached to direct maybe. Yeah. Um, and they did that with so many movies. So it's like, I don't even remember what they have. I think there's a Snow White and Rose Red movie they're working on. I'm pretty sure there's like a Prince Charming movie. Interesting. Who knows? Who knows? We're going to see. We're going to see. Now that we have that out of the way, Rachel Ziegler. I kind of think that's really interesting that they're like, let's tell these classic stories in like ways of people of of different ethnicities and different skin colors. Mm -hmm. Because like it started off with with Halle Bailey and that was a huge thing you know hashtag not my Ariel was everywhere but now you know we're seeing Rachel Ziegler being cast as Snow White also Olivia Rodrigo and her were considered for the role as well both women of color so what is there else to say for you know other upcoming live action princess roles Mm -hmm. that's kind of cool it's exciting to see that Disney's finally, like, breaking down these walls a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and it does add something new, and it does kind of add to another reason to see these stories, you know? Because it's another way to tell them. But yeah, I'm very excited for it. And and the it's, it's going to keep some of the original music numbers um, from the original film. I imagine it's going to be a live-action retelling in the same vein as, like, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to something like Mulan. 
But we'll have to wait and see. You know what I'm noticing? Well, excluding Mulan. What I'm noticing with the live... Well, I don't know because they want this for Mulan as well, but... I'm noticing that they're kind of setting up the stories in these live action films to have sequels. So that's interesting. I find that, well, you know, we're going to get into Cruella, but literally the entire film is like a prequel for the actual live action telling of the story. And so I think that's cool that they kind of like made this in lieu that, you know, this is going to be a continued story. Same thing with Aladdin, you know, Aladdin Mm -hmm. at the end of it, it's, very much projected that there's going to be a sequel it almost seems like this is like a new um like a metamorphosis for the franchises themselves because they definitely don't shy away from associating themselves with the original animated films um and you know calling back to them in the film itself and it seems like because i was wondering a little bit when they announced back in sorry this is a little bit of a tangent but when they announced back in um december the disney animated series that were coming to disney plus um and they announced tiana it got me thinking like oh i wonder i wonder what disney films are to the creators what qualify to become you know to to get a series like would we ever see like an older um property like mulan lion king get an actual like animated continuation from the studio that created it Um, But I don't think so, because I think that Disney would rather invest that time and money into, like, its current franchises um, in terms of animation. And I think that these live action are definitely kind of... They're not, like, taking over the animated film itself, you know? Like, Sleeping Beauty is still a thing, and it's still part of the Disney Princess franchise, but, like, Maleficent's, like, doing her own thing. Yeah. (laughs) Like, does that make sense? Yeah, it's, like, almost... It's like building off of it. Yeah, it's and it's definitely like attaching to the franchise, the original franchise. It's like retelling, you know, these classic stories and characters in a new generation, society, I guess. Mm -hmm. And this is what we get. (laughs) This is what the people want these days. (laughs) Also, we, very exciting news, we had our very first giveaway. Yay! very fitting to the episode it was a cruella giveaway mm-hmm. <laughs> and the winner for the giveaway was actually at lumi candles Woo! congratulations congratulations very exciting um we were actually in contact with lumi candles and we're setting up um how we're going to do the exchange so that was really exciting to do our first giveaway i think we should do more of them yeah for sure like let thank us know you. if like you guys want this <laughs> Do you want us to give you away stuff? I think we gave away pretty cool stuff. Yeah, and we can definitely, like, you know, see what kinds of giveaways we can do. Like, what, um, if, if, if people are kind of into the theme. We thought it would be fun to kind of theme it to something and to a release to get it kind of hyped up. Yeah. Um, mugs. Yeah, we'll do you guys like the mugs? Mm-hmm. I think it's very fitting. So let us know if, you know, if you want us to give you guys Disney mugs. Yeah, just give us your feedback. Tell mm-hmm. us what you'd like. Oh, I just want to say, like, thank you to everybody who participated. You know, it really means a lot to us. And, yeah, we'll definitely do another one if if, if you guys would like to see it. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for that. 
Uh, and then our final story for the day. So um, yesterday, as of the day we're recording this, was June 21st. And it was the anniversary of the Hunchback of Notre Dame. The Quasi. The 25th anniversary, in fact. So it was kind of a big deal. Um, I saw a bunch of posts on Instagram, which is really nice to see. Because Hunchback is one of those films that really kind of gets the short end of the stick when it comes to like disney recognition and you know what i kind of feel like hunchback is getting a little bit more recognition these days Mm -hmm. i'm kind of like seeing it you know show up and and their characters be more spotlighted so that's kind of cool yeah well like so many different like like merchandise um pieces have dropped for these characters yeah so i love hunchback of notre dame honestly that's gonna have to be a future episode at one point because like for sure i could talk so much about every single aspect of that film but anyways, back to the tea. Yeah. <laughs> um, and actually what we found out during this little mini, you know, anniversary celebration resurgence thing, Alan Menken actually um, said that Michael Jackson, the infamous king of pop himself, wanted to be a part of Hunchback Notre Dame. And he actually contacted Disney directly to try to be involved in the film and they, they denied it. Excuse me? They didn't want him involved in it. Who denies Michael Jackson anything? It's crazy. I don't know who Disney thinks they are. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Can you imagine if Michael Jackson had anything to do with A a Hunchback of Notre Dame? If his vocals were anywhere on the soundtrack. If he had anything to do with songwriting. If you voiced any characters, oh my goodness. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just surprised. I don't know because I wonder why it was under my. I mean, maybe he wanted to like actually write for the film. I don't know. I, I kind of just thought he wanted to do some like end credit stuff, but because at that point I'd be like, why wouldn't you want him? He was probably like one of the biggest artists on the planet at that point. But yeah. Anyway, that's the tea. That's the real tea. <laughs> that is the real tea. <laughs> Disney is not giving up or not um, shying away from those big stars these days, though. No. They got Beyonce slapped on for like a five-year deal, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, now let's head into our steep of the day. So, <laughs> basically, what we wanted to talk about today is other disney villain origin stories what else do we want to see you know cruella is all about cruella we're getting like her backstory we're getting to like dive into her we got to see a little bit of that with maleficent i love maleficent i thought that was really really cool way to like retell the same story especially from a villain point of view but what else do we want to see maybe this is like a cool trend we want to see in our past villains episode we've talked about like are we ever really going to see a villain again in like a disney princess film and it's like Probably not, because that's not really what we want to see right now. But these live-action retellings are kind of cool way to revamp villains and bring them back to us today. If we're not going to get them with the animated films, so what do we want to see? Uh, me personally, I think it would be really, really cool to see the Evil Queen, um, especially if they were to tie it into the upcoming film we were just talking about in our uh, tea section. Our tea time section. Mm-hmm. The Evil Queen is one of my favorite villains of all time. Favorite Disney villain for sure. Um, I just love how. I just love her design. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said it. He said it. <laughs> I really do though, um, and I, I really love just like what she represents. She represents vanity and like how far she's really willing to go in the, in the face of vanity. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to see how she gets that way. 
And I'm saying, like, tied into the upcoming film. I have no idea what they're going to do with it. Maybe they're going to do their own thing within that film. Who knows? Um, you know, it's, yeah. it's we're, we're a ways out. But I'd love to see it. Um, I just think there's so much to work with there. Um, and I feel like it's so easy to make her sympathetic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be so easy to, like, you know, justify, like, the ripping, uh, you know, the heart harvesting thing. But, um... <laughs> Well, anyway. I mean, like, Disney's finding different ways to tell these stories, right? So... Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, they kind of do, like, their own, like, non-canonical spin on it. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'd love to see it, for sure. What about you? Yeah, I think, uh, well, yeah, just to add on to that, I think Evil Queen would be really cool to see. Um, because I feel like in Snow White, it just feels very, like surface level like she's vain she wants to be beautiful she'll do whatever for that like cool 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 but like now that we're in 2021 and we can use our big brains like like let's see like let's really dive into there like let's psychoanalyze that and see like why she liked that that'd be super cool who would i like to see hades give me a hades origin story wouldn't that be cool yeah, I'd be down for that. Like, I don't even really know, like, what the story would be. But, like, I want to see a Hades origin story, and I want Hercules to be a part of it, too. Kind of like in Maleficent, how, like, Aurora is kind of, like, there, but mm-hmm. Maleficent's the main character. I want to see something like that. Maybe some, like, bro time with Zeus. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like we could get a really good story out of Hades, because, like... People like him anyways. I think people would love to watch a movie about him. Mm-hmm. And so. he's another villain who has, like, a backstory already, in a sense. Yeah. And that, you know, you can you can kind of sort of sympathize with him as well, which I think is important. Exactly. Would you tie it to the animated film, or would you kind of have it be its oh, own? Oh, definitely. Sorry. Like, the animated film is a hot mess, but it still earned its place in Disney. Yeah. The Disney-verse, okay? Like... <laughs> it is what it is it has to like at least to like some extent you know i kind of like the way that uh maleficent and cruella have tied back to the original film so just like some kind of like you know homage to this original story Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and like to add on to that too there'd be a lot to work with like with the brothers and um, the titans the titans we could go back and see what the titans are about you know <laughs> it'd be cool if it was like a whole ass prequel to hercules so it like kind of like set up that rivalry yeah you know who'd you cast as hades oh my goodness you know i've literally had this conversation recently and i don't know like i don't know who would you cast as hades it depends on i guess what you're going for yeah. Are you leaning more into the comedic side or well, like the tortured to, soul he, side? Like both. You, I feel like the tortured souls are the funniest people. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Just someone who can like pull off both. I think like one of the best things about Hades is that, you know, he in the animated film, he goes back and forth from being his like sarcastic self to like, you know, the devil like immediately you know and he, he just kind of like bursts into this and you and just to kind of remind you like yeah i'm the lord of the underworld bro like don't forget that and i think that's really cool that'd be really cool to like have be communicated through an actor so mm-hmm. i don't know i'm not good at picking actors actresses yeah, i guess that's what casting uh, yeah agents are for. that's what the agents are for <laughs> <laughs> but i just gave you the description that you need so yeah. <laughs> I think I'd love to see a movie about Jafar, oh. his backstory. 
I've seen it attempted once upon a time, and I'm not going to say I'm like 100% satisfied with that, so I'd love to see a new take on it. I'm not sure if I would tie it into Aladdin, like the live-action remake that they put out, but I guess you kind of have to, because I'm pretty sure Disney would want to keep it consistent and yeah, build the brand. But I'd be down to see it. And I'm saying that fully out of bias because Aladdin's like my favorite Disney movie. But I would definitely love to see it and kind of see like, I don't know, what's his past? Does he have a past with genies? Like there's so much of this world to explore. So yeah, who knows? That could be really cool. How did he meet Iago? Hmm? 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 How did he get to be a royal vizier? Like honestly, like another villain that I would love to see... That I forgot that we're actually getting is Gaston. Mm-hmm. Totally forgot about, forgot that. about that. I guess just in like a different form. Yeah, in a show. I guess I on think. a Wednesday. And it's a prequel, isn't it? Like it's literally his backstory. I think so, yeah. Like I'm he's down. dead, isn't he? I'm sorry. In like the new one. Oh. Was he dead? Yeah, I, I think guess. he dies. Yeah. I can't freaking remember. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous with to be like he's dead? Like but the new like the new Wait, Gaston's movies. dead? <laughs> I actually don't remember the film. Yeah, I no, guess he's dead, yeah. He died. Yeah. Gaston dies at the like, end of the, the film. Castle breaks or whatever. I guess that's why it has to be a prequel. Well, he comes back, Gaston returns. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Gaston returns. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's what I said in the live action remake episode and I'll say it again. Mm-hmm. These are just direct video sequels. But they have a higher budget, so, you know, yeah. at least there's that. There's that. Moving into the main discussion, of course, we'll be talking about Disney's newest film, Cruella. But before we get into that, we want to talk about the film that inspired it, which is 101 Dalmatians from 1961. So 101 Dalmatians, I think, is a pretty iconic Disney movie. Incredibly iconic. It's been parodied... A million times. A million times. Inspired so many different franchises, characters, just fashion aesthetics. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Yeah. Do you have any childhood memories of this film or its franchise at all or anything? Honestly, 101 Dalmatians, I remember being everywhere as a kid, but it wasn't a franchise that I stuck to as much. You know, I had mm-hmm. my other favorites that I really clung to, but I had the film. I watched it. I was like, yeah, this is a chipper film. And, you know, that was kind of it. I don't think I had any, like, merch, any anything. I don't know. I might have. But if I did, obviously, I didn't care that much. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, not that much nostalgia pulling from this. But I'm really happy to, to dive into it because we kind of, like, got to refresh our memories as adults. And, oh, my gosh, I think it's a great movie. Yeah, for sure. How about you? I think, like, I watched it when I was, like, a little little kid. I definitely remember watching the TV show um, when I was, like, about, like, four. Like, it was on on Family Channel, Family Channel. <laughs> here in, in Canada. Canada, yeah. In Ontario. <laughs> I remember watching that, but, I'm, I like, I must have seen the film before that. It's just, like, it's something I feel like I've always just, like, known what it is. I feel like it's, like, a film that just kind of, like, it just simmers in your head. Like, even, like, I know the story... But, like, it's still just, like, it's just there, you know? I feel like any other Disney film, I can tell you, like, beginning to finish, like, what happens. But mm-hmm. I feel like 101 Dalmatians has just been, like, one of those films that just, it's just kind of, like, vibing. Yeah, I totally feel that. Mm-hmm. Totally feel that. It's definitely, like, I know my stepmom is one of her favorites. 
Um, so, like, when, like, our family, like, you know, amalgamated and stuff, it's yeah. one that I kind of grew up starting to watch a little mm. bit more, which was... Uh, That's really cool. Yeah. And honestly, like, I always, like, kind of forget about it sometimes because, you know, sometimes I like to, like, go back and, like, watch some of the, like, you know, older animal Disney classics like Fox and the Hound or Aristocats, like, love those movies, but I always forget about 101 Dalmatians. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that we've, like, revamped it. A lot of people don't know this, but 101 Dalmatians, it's gross, and I don't have the exact number because, once again, I'm not well prepared. Um, <laughs> but it's when you adjust it for inflation, and then it's also when you take into account as many theatrical re-releases over mm-hmm. the decades. Um, it's one of Disney's most high, like, most lucrative um, animated films um, in the billions. Wow. Um, which is just royalty crazy platinum one of the things that i always found so fascinating is sleeping beauty came out just two years prior in 1959 and that was kind of seen as like disney's animated magnum opus he put everything he could into that film he wanted it to look the most beautiful and it's like no yeah. expense was spared um and of course um for those who don't know sleeping beauty initially was not the best received film and i think its budget was much too high for it to recoup it back um after many re-releases it finally mm-hmm. did and became the classic we know as today so when you go to see 101 Dalmatians, which is the next film um the animation style and just the type of film the genre everything it's like a 180 um and it's Super. such a drastic change um and that's not to say that one is like better than the other they're just different in so many ways and a lot of that has to do with the xerox process that they were using for animation which allowed them to copy cells. Oh my god. <laughs> I just hit my hand. Um, so it was like a photocopying technique and basically helped them save money. It was cheaper, it was faster. And that's where you get kind of this sketchy era of Disney films. Yeah. Um, so like Robin Hood, Aristocats, Winnie the Pooh, Jungle Book, Rescuers. The other ones, whatever, um, they all have like a sketchy quality to it. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like they're like the cleanup process was missed because it basically was. And we yeah, didn't have... that is so fascinating to think about because honestly, like now that I am kind of like recalling all of these older films and like within that era, it's like, oh my gosh, like all of them have this like certain, you know, what I once would say je ne sais quoi, but now I know it's the Xerox paper mm-hmm. situation. It looks and it looks super cool to like kind of look back on and see the animation types throughout you know history. It's like even though Disney has their animation, it's like how it's being, how the animation is being uh, translated and mm-hmm. like what they're doing to it. And honestly, like this is super cool yeah. to see. And is this the first film that was introduced with this type of animation? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, and it definitely gives it its own identity um, and its own feel. Because I feel mm-hmm. like 101 Dalmatians definitely, the moment you press play, it's very, very clear For sure. what it is, you know? Yeah, I agree. So I kind of wanted to just like go over just like briefly the characters. Yeah. Um, and we just got like some cool the film characters. a little bit, you know? Yeah. So the first character that we are introduced to is my boy pongo pongo he is the big daddy dalmatian in the house roger is his owner he is a musician in where do they live new york london london <laughs> <laughs> missed the country 
In London, and it's really cool to see, you know, how the film starts, and it's like it's introducing both Pongo and Roger and their dynamic, and like the first thing that we kind of get to see is he's tired of bachelor life. Yeah, he he he's pushing Roger to find somebody, and yeah. also for himself. He's too. he's like it's time for mate. Yeah. You know, we've been together forever for a long time. And he's gazing out at all the pretty ladies. And he's like, Roger, I think it's time for you to find a pretty little lady because it's time. Mm-hmm. So what does he do? He pushes them to the park and we get to meet our next set of characters, which is really cool. And we can't forget the iconic looking out the window and like the people that look like their dog. <laughs> and honestly, it's like a thing that people even say nowadays that people look like their pets. Yeah. So that scene is actually in Cruella as well. Yeah, it was. (laughs) I know it's not really sketchy right now. It was actually, it was redone a different way. Oh, shoot. I'll think about it and I'll bring it up when we get to the Cruella part of the discussion. But yeah, no, it is. It is. It is. So thus we enter Anita and Perdita. Mm -hmm. Um, Super random before we get into the actual character. Um, I found it really interesting. Anita has kind of like a fan base. Like Anita has like merch and stuff like that. Anita? Um, and do you remember, yeah, and like, do you remember those storybooks? They're like the, they're, they're current, they're not old, um, but it's like Disney princess before the story. Yeah. Um, so they kept making them, and then now there's like an Anita one that I saw. Oh. Um, and I guess they changed it. Yeah, it's Disney before the story. I think it was like Disney princess beginnings or something like that, whatever. And I found that really interesting. I was like, okay, so she qualifies? Because it's like all princesses and then Anita. Yeah. But she's cool. Yeah, she's cool. She's a fashion designer, right? Like, that's her thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anita is also, like, kind-hearted because, like, she's very sympathetic of Cruella, even though Cruella is literally, like, the devil. Well, she says they're friends. Or, like, they're friends from school. Yeah, but how long ago was school? And Cruella (laughs) seems much older than Anita's. Like, Cruella looks like she's 60, 70 crusting you know i don't understand what this friends from this chums from school like were you her teacher (laughs) (laughs) i don't know (laughs) maybe maybe but regardless like school wasn't like five years ago like people can change after like a year so i don't know like why she's still holding on to like oh my school chum pal i believe in her like, why did she even tell her about the Dalmatians in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we're missing something, though. There, honestly, maybe. <laughs> and I feel like we're going to get, like, people coming for us, but <laughs> we'll see. Um, And then we enter Nanny. 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 Nanny, like, kind of annoying, but you know what? Good for her. Like, she stuck up for those dogs. Like, she, she did. really did her best against Jasper, Jasper and Oris. Yeah, she did. She did her job. She did more than what she was being paid for. It's so dramatic. It like makes the paper. The puppies. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, like, yes, I'd be upset too, though. Like, if yeah. anyone tried to take my kitty. Mm-mm. Oh my goodness. Nuh-uh. Not over here. Catch these hands. And then the puppies themselves. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. All the cuties, all the little babies love puppies. I love the scene when they're like being born and they just keep coming. And then <laughs> oh my- yeah. Natty's coming out and she's like, six, seven. <laughs> 
and it just doesn't stop. Like thirteen. <laughs> or isn't she like fourteen? I don't like, even. How many puppies are there, dude? I don't we even lost know. one. <laughs> oh yeah, one died and came back to life. Right. Wait, I want to play a game. One second. How many of the Dalmatians can you name? Non cloud. Not Mm-mm. not counting. Mm-mm. How many Mm-mm. of the puppies? Just name some puppies. Like Scout. Um. <laughs> I told you. Uh. Uh-uh. I don't know how to play this game. Wait. I know there's Lucky Rolly. <laughs> oh, Rolly. I know Rolly. He's the little chunky one. Oh, Patch. Oh, Patch. Patch, the sequel's about Patch. Yeah. Patch the, is the important one. Yeah. Um, Lucky, <laughs> Penny. What are their names? Can you say them all, actually? The ones I found here are Princess, Duchess, <laughs> Danny. Actually, I don't know if these are the names <laughs> of the puppies. I have no way to confirm that. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> One of uh, my favorite scenes, I think, when we rewatching 101 Dalmatians was the Twilight Bark because I love seeing all the cameos of like the dogs, mm-hmm. um, mainly from Lady and the Tramp. But yeah, it was really cool. I, that's that's a fun scene, and they did keep that in. Uh, yeah, they did. The Twilight Bark super cool, and it's really funny because we're like, oh, do our cats have like a midnight meow? Yeah. Like, do all the like neighborhood cats get together and like you know have their communications for the week? Like, same thing with the dogs. That's really cool. They probably do. Mm-hmm. We just don't know about it. <laughs> and it's like it works. You know, like it mm-hmm. did its job. Did what it needed to do. Yeah. They got the babies back. And then, of course, me being me, this just opens my head up more to the idea that these movies are connected. Because, <laughs> like, you know, like Lady Tramp. Oh my God, what's his name? Whatever. The dogs from Lady and the Tramp are in it. <laughs> Losing my damn mind. And there's Jasper and Horace. <laughs> They're just the sidekicks. Yeah. They're there. <laughs> Honest, n- wait, 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 wait. Let's put a little bit of respect on okay. their name. They literally launched the, the plot of the film. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they do the dirty work for Cruella. They do the dirty work. What's like, she paying them? Nothing. Be- you know, she's not paying them a damn thing. <laughs> so why are they helping them? I, I don't know. She must, must have something on them. Because they were orphans together after her mother got pushed off of the uh, We're going to get into this live action <laughs> backstory soon. <laughs> And then there is Madame Cruella herself. Let's be real. Cruella DeVille is the most iconic thing from this film. Like, this is, she is the most memorable. She is the film. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. 100%. And I think it's really, like, notable because you can see, even like when you look at Cruella throughout history over time, she is the center and like the star of it all you Mm -hmm. know even though she's like really and truly the main character of this movie yeah you know like when you think about it it's like can you really put put an argument for roger or anita to be the main characters or pongo or perdita compared to cruella i feel like they're all just at like a two cruella's giving me 10 and Mm -hmm. i i just can't there's no comparison you know her design is just instantly iconic. 
but Disney can't take credit for it. That's actually a lot of her her defining characteristic, the white and black hair, mm-hmm. was created by Dottie Smith, who was the author of The 101 Dalmatians, which came out in 1956, um, before Disney bought the rights to it. And fun fact, actually, Cruella was originally going to be a villain in The Rescuers. So Mm -hmm. they wanted to kind of make The Rescuers a sequel of sorts to 101 Dalmatians, um, although it would be set in the 70s as opposed to the 60s. So Cruella, like, adapted to that time frame um, and then kind of relocated them to Louisiana because that's where it was set. But then ultimately they decided that they didn't want to do sequels, um, so it was scrapped. Um, and Madame Medusa was created instead. But I think it would have been cool to see um, Cruella in The Rescuers. And then furthermore, to add on to that, Oliver and Company was going to be a sequel to The Rescuers because Penny was going to be the main character instead of Jenny, um, which this is probably sounds confusing oh if you gosh. haven't seen the movies. <laughs> but um, <laughs> they also decided not to do that either. But I just think it's interesting because this paired with the Twilight Bark, it just... Disney Guys, theory, anyone? It's it's there. Disney, one hundred percent. I think alone, just the fact that these films were made with the intention of being sequels to previous Disney um, properties, like hundred mm-hmm. percent, definitely that all makes sense and it coexists in the same universe. And you can definitely see the similarities with Cruella and Madame Medusa for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, like especially just like the way that they're designed, the way they dress, and then. The way they drive. <laughs> like the driving. The let's talk about Cruella's driving for a second. That itself is iconic. Yeah. Iconic. Every edition of Cruella shares that same characteristic. So obviously it's a part of Cruella's personality. That car she has to have. It's iconic. Has to have. I love that she's always like all hunched up on it too, like right up on the steering wheel. Ugh iconic imagery and then moving forward into 1996 we are introduced to a brand new cruella our very first live action cruella glenn close the icon herself she did the damn thing she sold us cruella and more honestly i think that glenn close is just as iconic as the original cruella herself Oh, for sure. Like, especially for our generation. Totally. Um, And I'm not saying just exclusively, but I'm saying just especially. And again, you see, like, in the marketing for this and the sequel that came out in 2000, um, Glenn Close, Corella, is on every poster. Like, she's the main focus, not the Dalmatians. Exactly. Um, Exactly. And she just did so well bringing that character to life. So well. Um, So well. And it was really cool, you know seeing a character like Cruella in animation and then how that translates in like no live action in real life I think like Cruella was Cruella is you know one of Disney's first live actions honestly speaking like Glenn Close Cruella and that was really cool to see like a character as grandiose and like in your face as Cruella Mm mm-hmm Going forward, we see her in some television programs. Um, <laughs> mainly, we see her in House of Mouse, iconic. We see her often the gag of Corella in it is that she <laughs> wants to use like the beast um, to make like a fur coat and stuff like that. Um, she's mainly featured Corella in- Corella has one personality trait. Literally. She wants to make coats. Well, her iconic her quote friends. in the show is, one movie and you're labeled for life. Yeah. <laughs> 
Which also further further proves the idea that they're actors. Literally, literally. This is turning into the Disney theory episode. I'm sorry. Um, and then we can't forget um, Patches London Adventure, which I had the privilege of watching the other oh. night. Cruella goes to jail, comes out. She's trying to reform. She finds her replacement for trying to make puppies into fashion is art with dots in it she finds this artist that like paints just dots and she's like obsessed with it Mm -hmm. Um, but eventually she cracks and she wants to like literally use the puppies as canvases and yeah um anyway and then she goes insane and then they send her to a mental institution and she's like i do see spots you know and then that's how we leave cruella that's how we leave cruella yeah which is we disrespect her like (laughs) yeah they really just threw her in a truck and drove away oh my goodness she's in a straight jacket and everything we can't forget 101 Dalmatians, the series. Um, this is one I remember watching when I was a little kid um, very vaguely. So I went on Disney Plus, good old Disney Plus, mm-hmm. and brought it up. And it was so nostalgic to watch it. It's like not co- really connected to the show at all. I think they have the same names, but it's like set in America instead. You know, it's just like yeah. a fun like kid show. It's whatever. <laughs> um, one of the probably mostly prominent portrayals of Cruella of recent time before Emma Stone, of course, would be the Once Upon a Time uh, season four adaptation of the character. Mm-hmm. Little little story about me. <laughs> um, back in, what was it, 2014, 2015, I was watching Once Upon a Time pretty religiously like every Sunday. <laughs> Um, I was like in like the thick of it, um, into into the the thick thick of of it. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) And yeah, so like, I know this story, um, pretty in and out of my head. Corella, they, they, I don't, it was weird that they brought her in because she was a contemporary character. And kind of what I wanted to add is like the coolest thing about her is that she's unlike so many Disney villains, she's not set in a time period. So she has things like a car, um, which most villains don't really have but in in once upon a time they put her in like 1920s just like a fantasy realm that has like no year and i was like okay that's like an interesting choice like i wonder why it's not the 60s because that's when the original movie takes place but whatever Mm -hmm. um corolla's whole thing is that she likes to kill things um (laughs) that's like what she loves to do in the show i kid you not spoilers i mean if you haven't watched it yet you know you've had like six years yeah um (laughs) the whole thing is that you kind of think corolla's like an innocent at the beginning of the episode and then it kind of unravels that it wasn't her mother it was actually her that killed her her that killed her father and then her two following stepfathers um and then she gets this power to persuade animals and uses it to um, have her mother's Dalmatians kill her. And A plus for creativity. Yeah, and then there's like stuff with her going to like the underworld in like season five, but the uh, you know. All you really need Corolla to know and is, Hades. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Honestly, like I haven't watched enough Once Upon a Time and I think I need to. I think as like a Disney fan, it's just like it's it's kinda like the the superficial reason why we like these live action remakes is to see it in live action. Yeah. And Once Upon a Time was like serving as that, you know, like mm-hmm. before any of all this. That's true. Um, that is so true. Once Upon a Time gave it from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, I know it's, sorry, the last thing I'll say Once Upon a Time. I think as the show went on, maybe the writing and the story got worse, but we did get more Disney and like superficially I liked that. 
Another very notable appearance that Cruella's in is in Disney Channel's infamous Descendants. More notably um, as Cruella's son, Carlos, Mm -hmm. who was portrayed by Cameron Boyce. Rest in peace. You know, another fun fact, really fun fact that we kind of mentioned a few episodes back is that Cruella, the actual film released on Cameron Boyce's birthday as an homage to him and the film and Cruella's character as a whole. So, you know, just even that as a whole, you know, the fact that Cruella's character has so much prominence and and relevance that, that they would dedicate an entire release to, you know, obviously it's to Cameron Boyce, but the connection is that he's Cruella's son, you know? Mm -hmm. So that on its own just completely elevates everything. Cruella in Descendants isn't really that much of a... (laughs) statement she's in the first movie for like a second yeah she's not a with very all the other villain parents um she, she doesn't like dogs, dogs. yeah <laughs> that's the common trait that she carries around um one of the most recent um endeavors from this franchise is a show called 101 dalmatian street which came out in 2019 um I had seen, like, clips of it, and I just kind of, like, saw the animation style and was like, oh, this probably isn't for me, whatever. And then, like, I was looking at it because I was doing research for this episode that we're doing because I wanted to see um, all different incarnations of Cruella and her character. Um, And I found out that she was, like, in this um, show, and there's, like, you know, like, a whole two-part episode. And I was like, okay, why not? Let's watch it. Um, And it was just, like, so weird. I made Sigour watch it. (laughs) And like every time Cruella's in a show, she's just so scary. <laughs> they like they like she like cracks every time she moves. I know it's literally she looks like the spider from Miss Spider's Sunny Patch. Kids. Yeah, she's giving me <laughs> other mother vibes from yes, Coraline. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they're just twisting her more and more. <laughs> it's like very stylized, but they still remain like true to the original character design mm-hmm. and the whole concept. Um, I think you should watch it, so I won't give it too much away. But like Cruella, it's like Cruella generations later. I guess she's aged and it's like modern day um, and she's trying to get revenge on the puppies that are like great grandchildren of Pongo and Perdita. Um, If that's something you'd be into, check it out on Disney+. Check it out. And then that brings us to our latest edition of Cruella, Miss Emma Stone starring in Cruella. Cruella. And with that, let's head into the actual movie review. So I wanted to go into some general info, general stats about the film. Um, So Cruella was directed by Craig Gillespie. It was released on May 28th, 2021. Um, It's Disney's third premiere access film. Um, So far we have five that are scheduled. Jungle Cruise and Black Widow will be the next two. So Cruella had an opening weekend of 21.3 million. And it opened second place behind A Quiet Place 2. Um, and it has gone on as of recording. Um, it has currently made $160.4 million against a between 100 and 200 million budget. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it currently has a critic score of 74% and an audience score of 97%. Um, and by word of mouth, a lot of people seem to be enjoying it. So, Cruella did really well. Mm-hmm. I'm like very impressed with 
how well it's doing in terms of, of marketing, word of mouth, what I'm hearing people say about it, like audience score of 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. That's, I mean, it's pretty high. I yeah. kind of think that's a little too high, but <laughs> that's impressive, you know? Yeah. Honestly, I really like the film really right off the top. I thought it enraptured me right from the beginning. Oh, and also if we hadn't said this already, and if we already know, and if it's not just automatic, you should know this. Spoilers. This is, yep, going, this is a very sure. spoiler-ass episode. So Look at the runtime, people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the runtime, people. <laughs> it's gonna be a long one. Oh, literally. Yeah, I thought it was so cool. Um, Right from the beginning, you start off with, you know, seeing how Cruella is brought into this world. And I just thought that was so cool. It was just like really funny. Like she's just being popped out. And literally the first thing that she says is, oh, we're starting here? Bet. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's so funny. And it just like the way that, you know, they do that little montage in the beginning that takes you through her early years and and all of that. I loved that. I loved I, I ate it all up. Mm-hmm. all of it and you know what i was really the last live action we were given was mulan mulan did not sit well with us or a lot of people unfortunately and i was like because of that and because i keep being let down by these live actions i'm just gonna go into cruella with like totally open mind open everything and let's just like let Disney tell me a story, you know, see what happens from it. And with that mindset, I love the film. Mm-hmm. It was great. What about you? What um, are your first thoughts on the film? Yeah, like you said, like I had definitely Mulan wasn't my favorite. I didn't I didn't love it as much. And there are a couple live actions before that, that I didn't love. So I kind of like already had my sights set against this movie. Like I watched the trailers and stuff. Um, but I decided I was going to go into it with no expectations because I knew it was going to be a little bit different and I, I didn't want to set myself up for disappointment. So yeah, I just tried to kind of go on it and view it as its own thing. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I had a great time watching it. I love the tone. Um, as mm-hmm. soon as the movie starts, it's, it's just, it's a fun movie, but it still has like a good story and it has like good action. But yeah, I had a really good time watching it. I thought it was, uh. I was pleasantly surprised. Yes, as was I. And you know what else super surprised me? The soundtrack. Oh, yeah, the, the soundtrack, soundtrack was bopping. Bangs. Yeah. They brought back all these old school just bangers. Oh, my gosh. Like, I mean, aside from that really boring Florence and the Machines one, that's for some reason like the theme song. Yeah, I still <laughs> I still stand uh, Selena Gomez's version of Cruella de Vil. Yeah. They got a whole lot of everything. They got some Rolling Stones. They got some Queen. They got some Nina Simone. They got some some working at the car wash. There's there's a lot going on in this soundtrack. So if that alone really like keeps the movie and the film going. Something else I really noticed about the movie that was really cool is that like the movie film style was not like other Disney live actions. I kind of feel like it still has its disney essence to it but just like the film style felt a lot more mature it felt like it was from like you know maybe one of their like other like older studios because i just feel like the way that the story was told and the cinematography and all of that it didn't feel like a regular you know fairy tale live action that they were trying to tell i was glad to see that and i was glad to see them kind of like push it a little bit more yeah 
And it was dark. Yeah. There was a lot of very shocking things that happened in that movie that I was not expecting. Like from the beginning. Yeah. Um, the very be- the very beginning. Let's just talk about it. Let's just let's just say it. Let's just say it. Her mom gets pushed off a cliff by the Dalmatians. What the heck? And you're like, okay. I literally gasped. I was like, yeah. that's how we're gonna like five minutes into the film. Yeah. <laughs> that's how we're gonna. St- that's how we're doing this, eh? And they frame it like it's her. And spoiler. Yeah. It's not her fault, but they frame it as that. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, I was not expecting this. Yeah, and like. You know, I guess, like, as we go through the characters, like, this will kind of make a little bit more sense. But, like, honestly, like, the theme, I don't want to say the theme throughout the film, but just, like, a very, a very common theme throughout the film is that, like, like, death. Like, everyone's trying to kill somebody Mm -hmm. or kill something. And I was, like, like, deliberate death is not a thing that Disney usually, like, writes about or plots with. So I was, like, that is really mature for them, you know? Yeah. And it's not just, like... I have to push the bad guy off the castle because I have no choice. But there's some like, I'm deliberately trying to set you on fire in this. Ha- yeah. Like, we're going to get to that. But like, you know, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call my my attack dogs on you and kill you. Oh, my goodness. I wasn't prepared. Yeah, I wasn't prepared. So let's like talk a little bit about Estella as our main character. Okay. Estella slash Cruella. Estella slash Cruella. Um, so Estella's I thought. Dead. Estella's dead. It's Cruella it's now. It's Cruella now. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. I just, I, w- I don't know why I wasn't expecting it that she was born with the white and black hair. Like she's <laughs> Elphaba from Wicked. And it's like, that's why she gets like mistreated because of that. I guess yeah. I just, like, never thought of that as a possibility. Never. I, I know. I thought it was, like, a fashion choice, mm-hmm. you know? Like, she was rocking that. Yeah. <laughs> but then it makes me think, like, if the Baroness, like, had the baby, she probably would have seen the hair color. And I feel like you remember, like, my baby had half black and half white hair. Um, and then when Corella comes walking in, wouldn't she be like, you look kind of familiar? I wonder if the Baroness knew. Maybe not. Maybe she didn't look. Who knows? Well, no, not at the baby. I mean, like, knew that Cruella was her baby. Oh, I don't think so. Because she, she says to her, one of the first things she says to her is, is your hair real? Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. We need to rewatch this. We do, we do. Do a little bit more analyzing. Yeah. What do you think of Estella as a main character? I think Estella's really interesting way to bring Cruella about Mm-hmm. Um, because Cruella as a character in 101 Dalmatians is such an extreme character. So it's like, okay, how do I build that from the beginning and like find a way to sympathize with that? Something that I feel like a lot of people were like kind of hoping with the film is that, you know, Cruella would just be like, be mean, be bad and be evil to be evil. You know, like, you know, spoiler again, doesn't end up skinning the puppies or killing the puppies, but everyone was kind of rooting for that to happen because that is Cruella's identity. That's like what she's known for. Exactly. But also at the same time, when you're giving a villain an entire story, like the villain can't be the villain and the main character. Like that's not how it works. If you're a main character, then the villain's going to have a villain, Mm -hmm. you know? I think introducing Estella... um, was really cool. I like the name Estella. It's better. They didn't do something stupid like Ella. I guess Ella was taken from Cinderella already. 
yeah, I kind of like like this Estella Cruella thing that she starts to build in her like later years because it gives me a really like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde feel. Yeah. And like really and truly it's that hair that just switches it for her. And like that's when her Well, that's the thing. It's like I was really thinking about it. It's like, what is her true self? You know? Estella, I mean, it's do we want to believe that Cruella's actually like she's like being herself. She's Cruella, you know, but it's like Cruella's not a nice person. Mm-hmm. Estella is the kind, caring, like, makes friends, loves animals, like, wants to be a fashion designer. That's who Estella is, but she's not being authentic. I think that's a really interesting dynamic that they played with with the main character for the film. Well, I feel like she's still, like, like there's always that... Because Anita later says, like, you know, you have an extreme side. Like, you've always had an extreme side. Yeah. Um, And she's always been, like, bad. And she's always loved, like, making trouble and stuff. Um, So I think definitely, like, she's tried to suppress that. And there's that part that always wants to. Um, But deep down, like, she is, like, this, like, um, she loves fashion. But she loves kind of, like, the tearing down of, like, the establishment is basically what her whole characters built on in this film i think we just cracked the third movie (laughs) (laughs) i think the sequel is gonna be about cruella being cruella Mm -hmm. and then the third movie is gonna be about her trying to find a way to mesh estella and cruella oh my god as one (laughs) maybe i think she's done with estella i think estella well i think i think you think she's fully done with this well i think she's done with estella for now anyways maybe might come back i don't think so though I mean, Estella's on her birth paper, so <laughs> yeah. she can't really run from that name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I will say that Emma Stone did a fantastic job with the character. Yeah. I remember when I heard that Emma Stone was being attached to the project, I was like, what is, what are we going to get with this? I had no idea what to expect. And honestly, like, she's a great actress, so I shouldn't have, like, expected anything, you know, out of her her capability but yeah she definitely played both roles really great mm-hmm. yeah. and brought like like a serious like depth to it yeah you know yeah no i totally agree she did an amazing job for sure and she really um did a great job at, at honoring the character the original animated character yeah um but still making it her own i think exactly which I really liked and not to mention the wardrobe i mean she had how many different costumes like was it in the 40s and the 50s um ton of different costume changes i know um which was great and i think that that's a great way they they really the first one to do that was the glenn close version where you really they really played on the the fashion aspect of the character and i Mm -hmm. think that's perfect for this type of character exactly um, to play on that kind of like crazed artist um yeah motif yeah i know i really really liked how they really you know dove in on the fashion aspect like that and just how like quickly she she becomes her own when she like really hones in on like the cruella side of her one of like the best ways that that all starts was like her kind of like cruella introduction and she has that whole dress transformation where she like katniss everdeen's it up in like fire transformation and she's just like that was a cool transformation Mm -hmm. not gonna lie that was really cool and then just beyond that all the looks she's giving us that garbage truck look oh yeah um that very dark uh dalmatian coat that wasn't actually dalmatian oh 
And you know what? Part of me wishes they had just done it. I know. Because it's like, you could have used, but, you like, know, but like how those you, dogs killed my mother. How would you as... feel, though, if she actually did it? I don't know. She's the main character. You'd feel like shit. How, you can't come back from that. Yeah. If she actually killed the puppies and skinned them, like, how... We, we we wouldn't like her as a character. But the thing again. is, I feel like she'd be like she's a villain and she does bad things. But because sort of like what you said earlier, we have another villain that's, um, by comparison, much worse. worse. I feel like it would still work out that we would. But the thing is, it's like because she'd be more of like an anti. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they'd have to write it in a certain way. Like maybe the dogs are just like vicious, or yeah, I don't the dogs know, have like... to be like more. Because otherwise, it's like they're doing what their master tells them. It's not their, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a bunch of things. There's to, a lot. Yeah. There's a lot. I feel like Disney, the the writers for this, had this same conversation. And they were like, better not. Yeah. <laughs> and I definitely, um, I definitely watched the film through the lens that she has kind of like this sort of split pass personality idea, like you were saying. I feel like that kind of explains it a little bit better. <laughs> Wait, but you know what? Cruella never actually ends up making the Dalmatian coat, does she? No. They never killed the Dalmatians in the movie. At least this version went as far as, like, making us think that she might have. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing. She's like, I want them to think I did, you know? Yeah. Let them think it. Yeah. We have Jasper and Horace. Mm -hmm. So Jasper and Horace is really cool in this one because we get a little bit more of a backstory on them, too, um, that I was actually really charmed by that they met when they were, like, little children. Because, like, I feel like no one ever thought to think about Jasper and Horace's backstory, what, like, their you know relation to cruella is at all how they met you know how their system and schemes actually work so like this was like a really cool addition to the story that like i kind of forgot about and i was really happy that we got to see i like that like even as kids like it was really jasper the was the one that was like more more open to to taking her in even though horse was a little bit more closed off but like that even falls with them as they grow older and they build a little bit there was like a little bit of a touch of a romance there but it was tasteful mm -hmm. it was nothing over the top it was nothing that we didn't ask for they gave us like a little bit of just like vibes you know and i was super cool with that yeah you know they didn't do anything past that that i think there was a kiss and i was cool with that if there was a kiss i didn't need that but like you know yeah sure <laughs> yeah they definitely had like a good dynamic between them um which i like i and then it makes sense why like they would do things like go steal those puppies for me you know yeah yeah for sure because you have that um that history yeah yeah you kind of don't really know why in the first movie in the original they're just like ah fine like you assume it's money but like you said it's like <laughs> i mean what's it called hell hall looks in pretty rough shape in the original movie like how much yeah. money does this girl really have <laughs> yeah i really like jasper and horace um i think my favorite part were though were the dog companions mm -hmm. because i'm a simple person and love cute dogs yes um so uh cruella should we, I, I don't know whether to call her cruella or estella so i might transition back and forth because mm -hmm. i can't choose one but she has a dog named buddy um with her and that's like her disney princess sidekick yeah type deal and then jasper and horace have a little little buddy named wink yeah. and he's so cute so so cute he has an eye patch he only has one eye i know 
and also like the really interesting thing about Buddy and Wink is that like with the Hundred One Dalmatians and even um, the live action version with Glenn Close is that like the puppies that you know they want you to fall in love with that are being super marketed are like the Dalmatians, the puppies mm-hmm. or whatever. But in this, it's like Buddy and Wink, and the Dalmatians are like the scary, vicious things. So I thought that was really cool, like switch on. Um, the personification of these animals and like who yeah. who's the nice ones who are who are the the mean ones and it was an but interesting... then even later on like when the dalmatians come and like join up with the gang like that was kind of interesting too well they kind of like redeem them dalmatians so to speak because like yeah. i feel like without the baroness um without their they, it, it appears that without her command they're just kind of like chilling and I think, like, it's kind of implied that Jasper and Horace take a liking to the Dalmatians. Mm-hmm. And it was an interesting he... choice as well to have, like, Buddy and Wink um, as prominent characters. To have our protagonists, like, um, have an affinity for dogs. Not just, like, to kind of go out of their way. To have the dogs be, like, their companions is interesting for yeah. characters known to hate animals, mm-hmm. usually. Um, and then we get Artie, and Artie, like, on, what on what is he? He's, like, the best friend role that wasn't even needed. He, yeah, he's, like, our fairy godmother type character. Yeah. Um, Disney's really patting themselves on the back for their representation on this one. Oh, for sure. Um, <laughs> he's, like, a fine character. Yeah. Um, it's, like, a it's like a fun relationship and dynamic. Such, I has. love their relationship. I think their relationship is super fun, super cool. I love that Estella found someone like Artie as soon as she started off her her fashion career and 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 all that jazz so that's all we really have to say about him (laughs) yeah he's just like another member of her gang yeah now now (laughs) so our our villainous of the film is baroness von hellman Mm -hmm. played by the one and only emma thompson um emma thompson at this point is a disney legend i mean she's been in Every. I think like every sector of the Disney Empire, like it's just yeah. queen. She has a contract with Disney somewhere. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And she did a really good job in this role. Um, she's like a threat, but I still enjoyed watching her. Yeah, like it's like you hate her, but because... you you want to see what she's gonna do next. Yeah, and you want to see how far she's gonna go. Yeah, and like you were saying earlier, like it's so weird it's so crazy to see this is a character that just kills people and has been known to like kill people so openly she says it so casually like like uh when estella like confronts her and she's like the woman you killed like so and so and she's like yeah which one like be specific like uh, this happens every tuesday evening what are you talking about so casually i'm like oh my goodness like lady mm-hmm. girl a therapist (laughs) and it's such an interesting dynamic because well we later we later come to see the big reveal is that she's Corella's mom um her birth mother um but it's it's such a funny relationship they have because estella goes undercover and, and starts to kind of like sabotage her from within while upstaging her as Cruella, you see that she's like challenging her, but she like still wants her approval. It's like she hates her, but she like yeah. It's such an interesting dynamic to watch, and you just love to see it. It's like you just love seeing how Cruella is gonna outsmart the Baroness. She's always my one step ahead. favorite scene was 
the the golden dress that yes. that hatched and they were all what were they like beetles or you know whatever whatever the bug were and she made them all i was like that oh my goodness that was a good scene that was like such a good reveal that was insane like that literally meant game on and like that's when everything started turning up from there yeah that was great that like made me like like gasp a lot it was like yeah oh my God. i was like oh snap like wow yeah that's really cool it's just so much fun how they play with fashion in yeah. the film. um and there's such like an emphasis on it which i love the thing i really like about um Krell's character is that she's kind of like a character who loves chaos and she likes to stir up trouble and it's kind of just like the root of everything and that's essentially what she's doing in the grand scheme um is she just likes to disrupt stuff she's like a yeah. shit disturber basically you know yeah yeah it's really cool because like Krell as a character in general like compared to like other villains other villains they like sit there and they like plan and they plot and they have like this is how i'm going to take you down and they have like a goal at the end of the day and it, and it's just like an overarching like i don't know like an esteem need that they need to have met you know but with cruella she's just like maniacally like insane like she's mm-hmm. just like i want to skin puppies for my coat and i'm gonna make it happen i'm sorry it is what it is you know and then the way it's portrayed in the film she's just like it's like the same essence that comes across but just like in a different way and it's just super cool Mm -hmm. she's very like in the moment what am i gonna do now and she definitely has that like joker vibe where it's like she's 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 mad like she's crazy but she's brilliant at the same time yeah and i think that's definitely something i'm excited to see them play with more in upcoming films with Mm -hmm. her Anita Darling. I think it's so funny that they literally gave her the last name. Darling. Darling. Yeah. <laughs> like, did they do it as a joke or did they actually like, was think? They, did they pat themselves on the back after that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Anita. I love how much they like, uh, how much value they gave her character and how mm-hmm. much they really like developed the fact that they were school chums. And like, you got to see like how how Anita has has, knows both like her Estella side and her Cruella side from kids up until they're adults and like the entire time like Anita is like an ally you know like that's that's her girl honestly speaking like she was the one that really like got Cruella's name and and brand out there for you know everyone to see and that's really what like jump-started everything that like got Cruella to where she is so like just the fact that like Anita was you know, they must have had such, such a great relationship that, you know, even in their adulthood, like, they're still there to, like, stick out for each other like that, which was really cool. You know, to think that, like, if this is, you know, the backstory that Cruella and Anita had before the original film, it's like, okay, wait, that makes a little bit more sense why Anita might be a little more gentle towards Cruella, you know? There's, like, no explanation in the animated film, but, like, if this is what we're going with, that's, I can get it. They have history, you know? Yeah. It's it's funny, because when, when I, when Anita says, like, she her, she knows Corella from school, I assume, like, like, college. <laughs> I didn't think, <laughs> like, grade school, but I'm yeah. like, I guess, like, they didn't specify it. <laughs> just funny to see but it is it is funny to see their uh, it's cool to see their dynamic and how they kind of have like this understanding and it's sort of like i'll scratch my back i'll it's sort of like i'll scratch your back if you scratch mine yeah um and then there's roger as well yeah 
Roger kind of just like I feel like they introduced him so subtly that I didn't so, even catch it. I didn't even it. realize it was Roger. And like know? Roger is like a pretty common name, so I'm just like Roger, <laughs> right? And then I was like, oh, Roger. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Kind of like what I what I like what they did with Anita and Roger. Like I don't know if they did it intentionally, but they're both casted as people of color, and I think that just kind of like adds a little bit of variation to to everything and like perspective. I thought that was really cool too. Mm-hmm. I like legit didn't realize it was Roger until the end credit scene. The end credit, which was like probably one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah. Honestly speaking, like the end credit scene, it just it gives you a little taste of Roger doing his Cruella Deville, Cruella Deville, and like it's just the the setup is the exact same as the film. Everything looks like great and like. It just really sets everything up for the sequel, and it like it kind of gets you excited for the sequel. It's like, oh, okay, we're go we're going this route now. Okay, I want to see what you're gonna give me now. You know, mm-hmm. considering this is now the backstory that you're gonna give me as canon, and you're setting up something, um, that is the same story as the animated film that you gave us in 1961. So, you know, that's cool. Yeah, it'll be like super interesting to see where they go with it. And one of the fun things about having watched 101 Dalmatians before um, watching Cruella was seeing like the, just the little like details they put in like to his apartment mm-hmm. um, and they made it look like the original one, um, which was just like really cool. And then also the detail that Cruella gives Pongo and Perdita to Roger and Anita. Yeah. Um, but they're siblings okay i know <laughs> i'm like i don't really know how that's gonna play out because there has to be puppies and then i'm like if she wants <sighs> like is the whole thing like if we're to believe that we're gonna get a faithful ish retelling of 101 dalmatians as we know the story is corella gonna want to skin those puppies or what's she gonna want to do with those puppies i know Honestly, it really leaves a lot of open-ended questions for the sequel. Mm-hmm. And, like, is it going to follow it true to the 101 Dalmatian story? Kind of hard to see how they're going to do that. But, you know, you never know. They told us a really unbelievable story with Cruella. So I'll be interested to see it for sure. I'll be interested to see if they make her more evil because I remember when I heard the um, title for the Maleficent sequel, which is Mistress of Evil, I got excited because I was like, oh, are they going to kind of like try to retcon a little bit, make her a little more bad? You I'm know? like, no, not at all. Yeah, I watched it. That was not the case. <laughs> um, but I'll definitely be curious to see it. Um, I enjoy Cruella enough that I'm, I'm definitely down for uh, 101 Dalmatians. Oh, yeah, for sure. Me too. And also, this really didn't have um, much of a place to put anywhere, but I just wanted to say, fun fact, if you want to be a know-it-all to a bunch of your friends, um, when you're spelling out 101 Dalmatians, 101 Dalmatians spelt out, like all characters spelt out, is the original animated film. 101 Dalmatians is the live-action film with Glenn Close. So, often now, it's kind of just, like, exchangeable. Like, I think even, like, a lot of Disney blogs will just say, like, a 101. But the original animated film is called 101 Dalmatians, not 101. 101. 
I repeat. So spell it all out. 100. Or I'll think you're talking about 1995 <laughs> or 6. Is it 6? Six? 6. 6. Well, thank you for that tidbit. No problem. On that note, what are your final thoughts on the film? Um, on Cruella. Actually, let's do the film. On the film. I was definitely pleasantly surprised. Going into it, I didn't really know what to expect, but I think it was like a really good start of the summer season. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a good summer blockbuster. And yeah, it just was a great experience. I think watching it on the big screen would have made it all the better. But of course, we'll have to wait for a future release for that. Yeah. If I were to give it a rating out of 10, I'm going to give Cruella. I don't want to oversell it. And I don't want to say this movie's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to give it about a 6.5. Oh my god. Okay, wait, wait, no. A 7. <laughs> okay. okay, wait, okay, wait, wait. You just say say however you feel. It's if you think it's a six point five. I'm just trying to reassess now. You got me thinking. No, I'm sorry. Don't let me. Okay. Final answer. I just feel like if I rate something a six point five, I don't like it. Oh, but then there's like lower ratings. I don't know. Ten. I just feel like if you're like five and below, like you suck. (laughs) You're really not good. I'm gonna give it a seven point five. Okay, and you're going to stick to that? Yep. Okay, I'll accept that. (laughs) I really enjoyed it. You know, I don't think it's perfect or, you know, one of Disney's best, but I think that, you know, with what, you know, they did with the story, they took a classic story and they gave us what we asked for. You know, we asked for a different way for, if you're going to do live actions, switch it up. Like, give us something new, give us a different story. We don't want to watch the exact same thing over again. And they give us not only a new story but a new way to view uh, a classic and iconic character so you know honestly like something that we've never had from Cruella really and truly was like a Cruella backstory to that depth so I just think that was really cool to add would I rate the film I'll give it an eight yeah I give it an eight I would actually I'd probably give it a little bit higher but I feel like after a few more watches it might like subdue a bit but you know, after my first watch, like it really sat well with me. I really enjoyed it. I love the story. I like literally guys, I was eating it up. Like I was like, yes, <laughs> give me more. I am here for all of this. I'm here all for this tea. plot line. Yeah. Some people think some parts of it are ridiculous. I don't care. Like I love it all. So yeah, I think it's awesome. great. I'm really excited for the sequel. <laughs> and we're six months into 2021. So my question is, what is your favorite Disney release of the year so mm. far? Yes. Yes, there's so much out and so much more coming, so I would say Raya. For sure. Ryan the Lost Dragon. Easy. I didn't have to think about that. <laughs> yeah, mine's Raya too. Yeah. It's like the one that I've definitely been most like obsessed with. Yeah. And has garnered most of my attention. I'm really enjoying Luca. Like I think I might like rewatch it soon to be honest. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. But Raya. Yeah. And we still have Encanto. We still have so many good movies. So much Black more Widow. coming. So, Well, that's it today for our take an in-depth look at Cruella and 101 Dalmatians. We hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as we did talking about it. Please make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Apple. Spotify. Spotify. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram. And Twitter. Twitter. At Spill and Tea. And if you'd like to share your thoughts with us on today's podcast, be sure to shoot us an email at spillandisteapodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to rate us and leave us a review. It really, really helps us out and share this with all your friends and disney fanatics it's free doesn't 
cost you anything and it definitely helps us out and we appreciate it. Um, you can also reach us individually. Myself at Sakura MJ on Instagram and Twitter. And you can reach me at Braden Rosman on Instagram and at Braden C. Rosman on Twitter. Thanks for tuning in and until next time. Play, play us out, Zach. Zach.